I'm gonna talk about something today that's super, super, super important to me. And that's on whether or not you should go to college or you should send your kid to college. The reason being is ever since Gary Vay, I think that he was one of the main people to start it. He has a really popular video. He has many popular videos about why you shouldn't go to college. Now, some of this stuff is taken out of context because Gary does believe that you should go to college. Um, and I think that you should watch his response to uh, A-Rod. He has an interview on the Gary Vay show or Gary V show um, on whether or not kids should go to college and why they shouldn't go to college. Um, so I'm going to kind of talk a little bit about that today, along with um, some things that I also think that you should take away um, from college and then some book recommendations for you as well. So I hope you enjoy this uh, podcast. My name is Jeremy Quintanilla. You were listening to Age of Jeremy. I'm an entrepreneur and I'm the co-founder of Age of Radio and 3T Fitness and well, other businesses that I am working on. This podcast is about everything that I learn and the trials and tribulations it took to learn them. I hope you enjoy. All right, so if this is your first time listening to Age of Jeremy, Age of Jeremy, my name is Jeremy Quintanilla. I'm the Jeremy in Age of Jeremy. Um, and you are hopefully listening to this to get some insight into businesses, um, into some business concepts on how to grow your business, grow your family uh, dynamics, legacy, things like that. Um, essentially, this is a podcast about everything that I'm doing to build my businesses and family businesses and all the trials and tribulations that go along with that. Also, too, I want to be adamant that I do have um, a want to... Uh, take on uh, political positions here in Glendale, Arizona and in Arizona um, in general. And I'll probably be talking a lot about that in the future as well. Uh, and I also want to spread Buddhism here and esoteric practices here um, in Glendale and kind of move people or in Arizona and hopefully move people into learning more about those things because I think that they can can be beneficial. Um, but for the most part, uh, if this is, but for the most part, we talk about business concepts um, and things that are on my mind and things that uh, should be beneficial to you. Um, so if you could do me a huge favor, if you could subscribe to uh, this podcast on whatever app you're listening to, um, if you could also do a review on whatever app you're listening to. Uh, and then also, it would be great if you follow me on Age of Jeremy on Instagram. Um, I'm doing an IGTV series over there about uh, Buddhism um, and uh, what we call warrior monks uh, or so high. And so I think that there's a lot of great stuff you can learn from that as well. And then I also have a TikTok channel uh, at Age of Jeremy that talks about like financial um, clips and financial um news that's coming out. Um, because if you don't know, um, along with my businesses that I own, I own 3T Fitness here in Mesa, Arizona. I also own Age of Radio Media Company, this brand, Age of Jeremy. And then I'm working on a few other businesses um, that I'll be talking about here in the future. So um, so I hope that you enjoy what you hear and you continue to come back and check me out on other platforms. That being said, what I wanted to talk about today um, was some, something that's really important to me and something that I'm an advocate for. Uh, and that's education. And whether or not you should go to college, whether or not you should send your kids to college, and what it is that uh, is is meaningful uh, to you with education and college. Hope that made sense. Not really going off of a script here. Uh, so let me grab some coffee from Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf. Not sponsored by them, but if they want, they can sponsor me. If not, here's a freebie. Um. Okay. So. <laughs> so essentially. What kind of happened is I spend a lot of time on social media engaging with my followers and engaging um, with people that are interested in the same things that I'm interested in the hope to learn more and build a community. And what I found is that a lot of them, a lot of these, um, 
can't think of public speakers um, or influencers. They they talk about not going to college. And so, and then there's also this concept, I know Elon Musk says that you shouldn't go to college even though uh, Tesla and SpaceX require jobs that require you or have jobs that require you to go to college. Um, and then I've also heard um, uh, Gary Vee. Gary Vee's is kind of taken out of context. I'm a huge fan of Gary Vee um, just because I think he's authentic. I mean, I don't I, I like his businesses, the stuff that I know about his actual specific sports marketing business and his media company and things that he does with with those. I'm a huge fan, huge fan of his content as far as his authenticity um, and wanting to slow people down and going on the ride. But he has a really great video where he talks about why kids shouldn't go to college um, in, uh, in response to a rod. And so if you go to YouTube and you search Gary V kids shouldn't go to college, it'll come up, listen to it. I was thinking about putting a clip in here. I decided not to, but, but essentially he has a really good point. And I'm going to start off with my thoughts about whether should kids should go to college to this point. It is, if you have the ability to look at what you want to do in the future and work your way backwards, that's going to tell you whether or not you get a college degree. If you're a kid listening to this, not sure if a lot of kids would be listening to this, or if you're an adult that has a teen teenager that's trying to figure out, the sooner they can figure out some kind of concept of what they want to do with their life, and you as a parent can encourage that um, and help with that, then it's going to be easier to find out what they should should be doing. So, for example, I am really, I'm not going to lie, I'm really a terrible, terrible, terrible singer. I have spent a lot of time trying to learn how to sing and trying to get better at taking singing lessons. Um, what I am really good at is I'm a phenomenal fucking songwriter. And if my parents have the ability to look at that and say, hey, he's really good at this. This is something he has a really strong passion for. He's creative. Let's help him push him on this path to do this. It's very difficult to do that if you're in poverty, but let's say my parents have the ability to do that. You should focus on getting them on YouTube right now, helping them make a channel, helping them get better guitar lessons, helping them get better singing lessons, helping them take classes and courses on learning that craft, because that's the thing that they're going to want to be doing in the future if they're going to want to be you know, a rock star or be a media personality or create albums, right? You don't need college for that. But there are things that you can be doing that are going to be beneficial. And if you take the time and push people in that direction, they, they will be good at it. And when you're a 16 year old, you don't need anything to fall back on. You need someone to help you do that, right? So like, I think one of the, the best examples of that, this kind of concept is if we look at Tiger Woods, right? Tiger Woods started playing golf really, really young because he, they played him. They found out that he had a talent, probably at a young age. Then they pushed him and pushed him and pushed him. LeBron James, same way. Kobe Bryant, probably same way. And by the time that they were in high school, they already had like 17 years in the craft, right? Because they had been doing it literally their whole lives. That's why they were good at it. It wasn't like they were born with this greatness. They probably had an advanced skill in it, and that's what their parents saw. So they pushed him in that. So those people didn't need to go to college. They knew the thing that they were good at. Their parents helped hone it. They found out what their kids wanted to do, and their parents supported them. And through that, they were able to become amazing basketball players, get signed to the NBA, didn't have to worry about anything. And then from there, they go on from there. They have the money, the security, and they can do what they want, right? 
So the same kind of thing goes with where you're at. Like my niece, Ariana, she's really, really good at drawing. She should not be doing anything else but drawing. If you go to her her Instagram account, I think she keeps it blocked, plus she's young. But if you go to her Instagram account, I forgot exactly what it's called. Hold on one sec. Let me just pull it up here. Because she changes it, um, and she's very secure about it. (laughs) But um, it's strawberry underscore. So strawberry, S-T-R-A-W-B-E-R-R-I dot underscore dot worms dot 13. But if you go there and you see her drawings and her uh, comic book sketches, she's 13, 14. No, she's 15. She'll be 16 in January. Jeez. Um, She grew up so fast. Um, If you go there, she's a phenomenal drawer. Her dad and our family should be doing everything we can to help her build this comic book strip, right? And then if she wants to hone her skills, she should go to an art institute and get a degree in art. That art degree makes a lot of sense, right? Because that's the craft that she's learning how to do. Then it'll make her better at doing her own comic books. It'll also give her the ability to become a worker, which brings me to the second concept about college and you need to think about is college is designed to create workers. Our whole system here in the United States, especially our public school system, is is designed about creating laborers. So if you want to become a laborer, right, you need to go to college. If you want to make money, you're going to make money with a college degree. You'll make more money with a college degree than without having a college degree, right? And if you say, oh, I want to work at IBM or I want to work at, you know, um, for SpaceX, you go and you get a degree that's relevant to that thing. And then you focus on getting into that company and you spend your life working on that company. But what we have today is a different type of atmosphere in the country because every single person wants to be a fucking millionaire, right? And they want to be a fucking billionaire probably. And they want to be an entrepreneur. Okay. The problem with that is, is that entrepreneurship is very difficult. And I think Gary says it best in that YouTube that I uh, said for you to go. It's very lonely and it's it can scar you and it can be very, very painful and you lose and you suck and you fail and then you relook at it and then you do it again. Like I right now, right, I'm trying to build the age of Jeremy Brand. Okay, and so it's Saturday. I've done two episodes. I've been doing this for five hours. After this, I'm going to go work on Age of Radio stuff. I might watch some Daredevil um, movies because I'm trying to watch all of the MCU in order. I'll have it on in the background. I think there's some um, we're really focusing on our Age of Radio sports. So I've been doing a lot of studying with sports to get more involved with that, to be able to speak better at it. Right. And so I'll probably watch some sports in the background, but I'm by myself like the entire day. It is super arduous. I don't know if that's a good word for it. It's super lonely and it's very time consuming and it's a lot, a lot of work. It's not meant for everybody, but everybody for some reason wants to be this entrepreneur. Okay. And so they, they, they don't know what it entails. Okay. Now, 
With that concept though, if that entrepreneur knows that they need to know computer programming and they know that they need to learn business, they should also go to college for that thing. But if they're really good at something, really young, young, like when they're really young and they find out about this thing and they can pay for college themselves, that's even better. What the, the problem with the college concept is, is that if you don't know what you want to do in your life, it doesn't make sense to go to college to get a degree and traditionally go into debt because of the price of college, to get out of college, have a degree, have debt, and not really know how to get that job. Because most people that get a college degree don't end up in the job that they went to college for. And that's what's sad about it, right? I'm fortunate because I wanted to work for a bank. I wanted, I really wanted to do investment banking. So I guess even for me, I didn't even end up in the same spot that I went to college for in the first place with investment banking. I don't do any investment banking. I do great at investments on my own. Um, and the MBA taught me a lot of stuff about business, which is very beneficial to an entrepreneur. But if you don't know what you want to do, don't go to college because you're just going to have a shitload of debt. and It's going to make your life miserable, right? I didn't know what I wanted to do originally. So the debt that I took on when I decided to go back to college, it was all wasted. And so I have like $40,000 of debt that's useless on top of the fact that I got two bachelor's degrees, getting extra debt that I didn't need to take on to then go out of state for my master's degree for $70,000, $80,000, right? With my company only paying $10,000 for it to only be a relationship manager making, you know, $100,000, dollars $20,000 a year, right? Which is beneficial, but, and I'm fortunate because of that, because there's a traditional rule of thumb that whatever debt you take on, you, you need that salary to be whatever that debt was. So for like me, my debt is, you know, 150,000 for school and I make about a hundred to $120,000 a year. So I'm still short on what I should be to live comfortably to pay off that debt. So if you go and get a traditional bachelor's and you're paying, you know, 18,000 a year for it, I think is what, um, uh, WP carry is at now 10, $11,000 a year. Maybe, maybe you come out with like $30,000 in debt for business school at ASU. And then you need to be at least making that. And you should be right. Making that sometimes you're not right. When I first got out of my undergraduate, I was a, a teller at a bank and, uh, they make like at that time, 11 bucks an hour. So I definitely wasn't making the $40,000, $50,000 of debt that I went into for it. Right. So those are the things that you need to be thinking about. These things have to be more, I guess, thoughtful for what it is that you want to do and then focus on that thing that you want to do. But if you don't know what you want to do or your kid doesn't know what you, they want to do, don't push them into college. It's a waste of fucking money. And I know that 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 sounds terrible and it sucks because you want the best for your kid, but you're going to put them into a position where they're not even going to learn the things that they really want to learn, you're going to waste your money if you're paying for it. They're going to waste their money if they're paying for it and going into debt or if you're going into debt. And then they're not even going to know what they want to do. And I think that that's where more of the Gary V concept about why you shouldn't go to college is, is because there's not, if you don't know what it is that you want to do, that college degree doesn't mean shit right? It only is relevant to if you know what it is that you want to do and you need that thing to be able to do the thing that you want to do. Like I can't build aircrafts if I don't have an aerospace degree or at least an engineering of aerospace craft, right? And so, so if that's what I wanted to do for my life, that requires a degree. I should go get the degree. 
it has to do more with like the thinking concept of it. The other problem that I have with college apart from that, right? Because then there's also the concept that, well, I want to go to college because you learn stuff. You do learn stuff. The bad thing about it is you learn the paradigms in which we're trying to teach and educate our labor force, okay? And I'm going to use this as a perfect example because I am I am a Marxist economist. Well, I'm not technically, a, I shouldn't say my, I'm a Marxist economist because I don't get paid as an economist. I believe or I agree with the theories that are put forth in uh, Marx's capital. Um, and so I use this as a great example because I have a finance degree and we're indoctored in or indoctored indoctrinated, I need to get better at words. Um, we're taught that Austrian economics is the truth about economics, and we don't question that truth. Okay. And we have that in our whole society. We even to some degree teach that at our public school systems for younger children as well, too. Okay. And what the what the Austrian economics is, you don't hear a lot of people call it Austrian economics, but this is what it is, is essentially that the price of something is only subjective to the person that's willing to pay for it. And from this concept, we have what our traditional free market economy is. So like I have a in my hand, I have a Fallout 4 um, wallet that I bought at Hot Topic years ago because I lost my, um, this is going to make me sound so shallow, I lost my my Louis Vuitton uh, wallet that I used to have. It got stolen out of my car when we moved and I never went, they found the perp who did it and I never went to the Glendale police station to pick up the, the wallet. Okay, and so I have a Fallout 4 wallet here. Okay, and I used to have a Louis Vuitton wallet. Just bring that up for the point. Um, and then I'll try to make another point. So um, Fallout 4, this wallet costs like 10 bucks, right? And it caught it continues to cost 10 bucks because people are willing to pay $10 for it. Okay. So if for some reason I was at Hot Topic and I was like, $10, I'm not gonna pay for that. And people start finding that this specific wallet is not paying, they will probably put a sale on it or the manufacturer will lower the wholesale price, which will in turn lower the retail price to a price point in which someone's willing to purchase for it. So the concept is, is that all price is subjective. And that, as far as trade goes, might be true. <clears throat> okay, it might be true, it might be real, it's just a theory. Okay, now the other theory, the theory that I subscribe to for the most part, is that the, the value of this is built in in the labor, okay? And so if we look at the Louis Vuitton wallet, let's say it was handmade and hand-stitched. My Louis Vuitton wallet was $300, I think it was, and it wasn't even a full wallet, it was just like a car holder, $300, okay? If someone made that by hand, okay, stitch it together, Okay, there is a part of the name that's associated with that. I get that. But I'm going to pay more for that wallet because it's of better quality and it's of better quality because of the labor that went into that wallet. Okay, now there's a lot more economic concepts and parts that move into both of these theories. But I subscribe to the fact that, yes, on a free market, we're willing to trade for the price of the wallet of what we're willing to, to pay for it, right? Which brings us to supply and demand. But if we look at the labor that goes into something, it's not uncommon if something is made where wages are higher, where it's one off an item because someone built it with their hands and there's only 
they're, they're more scarce because the individual can only make one or two or three of them because they're building it. They're, they're putting their hands and their labor into it. That price is going to go up. So I actually believe that the price of something is really based off of the quality and the labor that went into it. When you put that into machines and machines and make things and the labor price goes down and peop, and you can sell that at a lower price. Well, that's because it's the lower quality because the labor that went into it is less. Okay. Now, the problem with this is that they only touch on labor theory in schools based off of when they're telling you of why it's wrong, okay? And that Ricardo and Adam Smith and the Austrian econ economists that talk about the way in which supply and demand work and the Austrian economists that talk about the way in which price is subjective and it's a subjective value, we only teach that in our colleges and we don't even touch base on any of the other theories. Now, Adam Smith, and I even think Ricardo used labor theory to create their, their theories of the market values. And again, I'm not an economist, so if I'm misspeaking, I apologize. But but we traditionally only use Austrian economics with a little bit of Keynes economics here in the United States. And we in we only teach those theories in our colleges. There is only one college that had any other extra other economic theory on Marx in their economy department, not in their philosophy department, and that was UMass. And so and I'm not even sure if they still have that. But the the point is is that the problem with going to college is it creates your paradigm based off of what we want our kids to learn as a community and as a, pub, a public, as a state or whatever have you, right? Because we take in what we think is going to be beneficial for them, how we want them to be when they're out of there, and then we teach them that stuff. And this is kind of the thought process behind all of the conservatives that are, are anti-colleges and we're teaching them weird liberal concepts and things like that. And that might be actually true because the things that we're teaching in our colleges are based off of how we want the kids to be when they get out of the college. So if the community or the research, the research community or the state as a whole in the public research facilities think that these are better concepts for the kids to be going out of, then they're going to be coming out with those concepts, whether or not they're going to be right or wrong. Now, as far as the liberal piece of it, I'm a, you know super left, so I think that that's great that they're coming out of this, and hopefully they're thinking better. But the point is, is that when you go into college, you get taught what it is that they want you to teach, and you're taught that that's the way that it is, and you don't look at these other concepts and theories. And a perfect person that explains this really, really well is uh, Dr. Um, Richard Wolff, who is a Marxist theorist who went to Yale, who went to Harvard, no, Harvard and Stanford for his uh, PhDs in economics, and he taught at UMass. He's a Marxist economist, and he's very adamant on being able to, to be skeptical of capitalism while also teaching Marxist economists. But we, but we don't want that in our country, so we don't teach those things traditionally. And that's one of the biggest problems. And that's one of the biggest problems with education in general. So if you're talking about going to college itself, should you go? You should go if it's relevant to what it is that you want to do into the the future. I am happy I went to school. I also want to do a lot of stuff with education. So I will probably go back for my doctorate in education because that is something that I specifically want to learn. I think I'll get the best learning from those systems if I go to college for it, right? <clears throat> but um, but all the other stuff like computer programming that I'm learning, I want to I'm learning that myself, electrical engineering, things of that, the, that caliber. 
I'm learning those those things my, myself because I'm looking at them as trades and I'm going to take that information and then create products and services for age of radio or what have you. And so I think that I think that the thing is, is if you're going to college to get educated, I don't think that you need to go to college to get 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 educated where you're able to think differently and to think for yourself, because I don't think college we have this concept that college does teach that, and to a degree it does, but a lot of the concepts that you're taught, you're taught that this is the right way to do things, and that's not always the case. And then it's it creates a paradigm, right, that may be difficult to get out of later in life, and that's why it's so difficult to have good conversations about Marxist economics. I'm just using this as an example. Have good conversations with Marxist economics because every every econ economist that's been trained in the United States has only been trained on Austrian economics. And that's one of the biggest problems that I have with us going to school because we're taught that it's right. So we're young, we're 19, we're 20, we're 23, 24, 25. And we're saying, well, this is the right thing. And the same thing happens in our public education system is that, for instance, if I have a, so Russia did a lot of stupid shit. Okay. Uh, Stalin was a terrible, terrible individual. He was a dictator. Lenin and Trotsky, they had great ideas, great concepts. They were, in my opinion, could have been, again, this is hindsight, I suppose. They were, in my opinion, young. They took over a country through revolution. I don't think that they had the wisdom that was required to do what they needed to do for the, the country. Um, in, in, in my opinion, Stalin definitely wasn't, but there were some great things that they tried to do before people tried to attack them, which caused them to take back the land and create a military state. And the military state was created because of the fact that everybody was attacking them. <clears throat> and so the point of this is, is that because of all of that happened, in our textbooks even today, we have very negative connotations about the concept of communism and how it's wrong. And we teach that to children when they're younger because the United States as a whole don't want those thought concepts coming out in our children and in our teens. So if my niece, exact, again, Ariana, she heard me talking about communism and her no, her response was that, well, in school, they learned that communism was bad and capitalism is the right thing. Now, she couldn't explain to me exactly why that was, but that's obviously something they're teaching to our children in our public school systems. And that's one of the biggest problems that I have with how we're educating our young in, in general. Um, but that being said, we are educating them to become laborers, to work for the United States in a sense, um, to hopefully be successful, create more GDP and our country gets better. Now, when it comes to education, education and educating yourself is obviously a lot different than just going to school and getting a college degree. Um, sorry, I got a response from our podcast development officer. Um, so I was reading that. My apologies. Um, so I, when we're thinking about, when we're thinking about education, it's one thing to go and educate yourself and it's really good to educate yourself. Libraries free, all kinds of information. They have physics books, they have chemistry books, they have philosophy books, they have all kinds of stuff in there. Right. But, um, but we don't go and we don't educate ourselves the way that we would educate ourselves if we were in college. 
And that's one of the biggest problems because when you're in college and you learn something, you have you have problems that you have to solve that takes what you learn and to apply it. So if on the flip side, I'm just going and reading a bunch of books and I'm not applying any of that knowledge, I am learning much differently than I would have learned if I learned that thing in college. That's why it's super important that if you are wanting to learn something, that you also are kind of learning that stuff from a textbook as well, so that you can look at those problems and then try to solve those problems as you're learning about it. And that's how you can really educate yourself. So it's really important that no, that you continue to educate yourself even if you decide not to go to college so that you are a productive thinker. Now, that doesn't mean that you're going to be wealthy, right? Because if you don't want to go to college, but you think that you're going to be wealthy, then you either need to become a badass entrepreneur or you need to learn a trade. And that's one of the things that I'm super adamant about is for people to learn trades. And I think that at some point, computer programming in general, rather than the philosophical concepts of it or the like doctors of philosophy in computer science or doctors of philosophy in software engineering, moving into that path, I think computer programming needs to become a trade that we have the ability to teach our kids because though we are talking about creating workforces um, and increasing labor. But back to the original question, because I can just ramble on about all of this forever, is that should you go to college? Well, you should go to college in the event that what you want to do with your life requires you to have a college degree. Okay. Now, that being said, whatever that is, you should also do a few other things also with college. I believe other people don't agree with me on this. Elon Musk being one of them because of some of the concepts that they teach you in it. I believe that you should get an MBA no matter what you do for work. Okay. And I I bring this up for a couple of reasons. One, let's say you want to be a um, sculptor. Okay and you go to art school and you do the stuff that's required of doing sculpting um, and you get a bachelor's degree and you decide to get a master's degree and you end up getting a PhD because you also want to do research and you want to teach that and all of this other stuff. That's fantastic. You'll be very successful. You will probably get paid as a six figure as a PhD working in a research university and, and also teaching that or if not pretty close. Okay. The, that being said, if you go and get an MBA with that, Okay, you're going to learn accounting concepts, finance concepts, Austrian economics concepts, economic concepts, and you will be a better candidate for the private sector for multiple things, not just sculpting, but also for sculpting. Or you might position yourself to be able to maybe go and be uh, the the head or CEO of a um, well, they probably wouldn't call it a CEO, but the head of a nonprofit or like an art organization or a museum or something along those lines. And again, I'm using this as an example. I don't really know all of the um, names of these things. But or on the flip side, you might want to you might want to take your sculptures and create a business out of them. And having that MBA is going to put you in a much better position to create a business plan, to manage your financial books, to forecast, um, to build models, um, to be able to create a business that sells your sculpting, sells other people's sculpting, learn stuff online, right? So I'm a big believer that every degree that a child gets in college, they should supplement it with a, a master's in business administration. I also think that they should supplement it with a bachelor's or a minor in philosophy. And 
Well, the thing about philosophy is philosophy is always tends to be a joke. So a lot of people with philosophy, they think, oh, well, that's a stupid fucking degree. <laughs> what type of job are you going to get with that? Again, this goes back to the fact that college is for jobs, right? So philosophy might not be the best thing unless you want to get a research degree or or go and continue to get a PhD and do research, write books and things like that for philosophy. I think that philosophy is actually the most important degree that anybody can have. And if you have the opportunity to get a bachelor's in philosophy, minor in philosophy, a master's in philosophy, a PhD in philosophy, and some other degree, you are going to be far ahead of every single other person in this life. Because what is interesting about philosophy is that, as opposed to something else, is that in traditional coursework, in college, you're taught to think in the manner of how they, our society, wants you to think of in that manner. So, for instance, if you become an economist, we believe in Austrian economics or uh, in the United States with a hint of uh, Keynes economics, so that you're taught in economics to think that specific way. So when you get out of your economics degrees and your research and blah, 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 or PhD or whatever, you are in Austrian economics if you got your economics degree in the United States, Okay. That's how you thought to think about it. That's how you go and you do your research on it. And that's just how you're taught, right? So in finance, right, I'm taught how to do modeling. I'm taught that we look at corporate finance or how we look at corporate finance in the United States and how things are done with general accepted accounting principles, how to look at tax law with those things, how to look at business law, how to do how we forecast things properly, how we use Excel specifically to build models, um, to forecast revenue, to value companies, to find out what the stock price should be of a company, yada, 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 right? I'm taught how to think like that if I get my finance degree. I'm thought, taught how to think like a financial analyst. I'm taught how to think like an accountant with my accounting degree. And those things kind of bleed over into the rest of the life. The reason why the philosophy specifically degree is so important for everybody to have is because philosophy traditionally teaches you how to just think. Okay. And I don't mean that in a negative way that, <clears throat> that people don't go around thinking, but we, we look at with philosophy, you learn how to look at things in a logical way. And and it sucks and I get frustrated and sad in our society when I hear people, especially on, and again, I spend a lot of time on social media trying to engage with people. But when I look at some of these TikTok conservatives or liberal liberals, liberal conservatives or liberals that are always like, oh, well, if conservatives just use logic or if Democrats just use logic, neither of them are using logic, okay? They are looking at data and and coming up with an idea based off of that data. Logic is something completely different. Logic's used in computer programming to create programs. Logic's also used in philosophy to prove certain theories or concepts, or if this happens, then this happens, then this happens, or else this happens, and yada, yada, yada. There's actual logic courses in philosophy because the the idea about how you look at that, that teaches you how to think. And then when you can learn how to think in general, then it becomes easier for you to think in everything and to question certain things and to come up with specific answers or I want to say facts about about what it is that you're thinking about, right? So a lot of people, you know, make fun of me because I'll, some people are like, what'd you do today? Oh, I just sat and thought for like 30 or 40 minutes. And that's because I just sat and thought about 30 or 40 minutes and kind of come up with an idea of, okay, if I do this, what does this happen? And logic teaches you how to take those ideas and put them on paper 
to prove that this is what's going to happen if this happens. Okay. The other thing about it is philosophy teaches you about more insight into um, the world. Okay. A lot of people think that <clears throat> if they meditate, I'm going to use meditation, they're going to get wiser. Okay. Meditation doesn't lead to wisdom. Meditation leads to calmness. It leads to being able to underst maybe understand things at a better pace because your thoughts are slower. Okay, it teaches you how to learn, uh, feel different about your body, different about your breath work. But when you are done meditating, you you didn't gain any other insight about the world, only about how you perceive the world based off of maybe if you're asking yourself questions when you're meditating. Okay, but when we're talking about wisdom and how to think and make better decisions, philosophy actually teaches you that. And so that's why uh, that's why sutra studies are so important along with meditating in Buddhism because the sutras give you the wisdom and the insight and then you can reflect on those things when you're meditating and reflect on your life, okay? And then from both of those things, then you become a better person and a more wiser person. But the wisdom starts with what you're learning from the, the thinking that goes into the whatever that subject is. And that's what's interesting about philosophy. Now, in philosophy, we don't spend a lot of time in Eastern philosophy or Buddhist philosophy when we are talking about philosophy. We usually traditionally look at Western philosophy, which is like Aristotle, Plato, and Socrates, and um, uh, those are the main ones. Um, I mean, there's lots of other people that are trying to study in a philosophy degree, but to give you an example of uh, Western-style philosophers. And so... So I just encourage you, if you go to college or you're sending your child to college, it's going to cost a little more money, but you're going to have a much better person outside of it, okay? But if the goal is just for them to have a job and to make money in $60,000 a year, $70,000 a year, and start their own business, fuck, have them just get a, get a, get some training in business, like an associate's in business, and then have them learn a trade like HVAC or electrician or something along those lines. Those, and then they can build their own business from there and be super, super, even more successful than they would have if they went and spent four years in college. We do not give enough thought to trade. And I feel like trade is probably better for a lot of our kids than sending them to a four-year college and the debt that goes along with it. Um, so, so a couple of things to take away, and I'll kind of end here. I know it was this is, video has been kind of more of a rant, and then I'll talk about some um, some other I think books that I think that'll be beneficial um, for people to read. I don't talk about that as much, but but so one thing: it, only go to college if it's beneficial to what it is that you want to do in life. The other thing too is if you're a parent and you see something that your child's really good at, even if that's something that you don't want them to do with their life. I would say bite the bullet and support them on that thing that they're wanting to do. Um, that was one of the things, and, and put your money into that. Like if you have $30,000 saved for your kids, you know, college and they don't want to go to college and they want to be playing music and become a YouTube star, fuck it. Take that 30000 manage it, make them a fucking YouTube star. It can be definitely done. They can become a music star now. It's so, I wouldn't say easy to do, it's difficult to do, but there's it's it's much easier to for people to start doing that thing. And if they spend 15, 10, 15 to 20 years, 10, 15 years on it, I guess, they're going to come out a lot stronger than um, they, they would otherwise. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and take a quick break and then I'm going to come back and I'm just going to talk about some books that I think would be super beneficial for uh, you to read. All right. So I wanted to think of or talk about some books that I 
feel that you should have your child start reading or you should be reading if you are not um if you don't have any kind of uh, plan for their reading or building them into good people as adults. And so some of this stuff is really hard. It's probably for later teen years. I'll probably try to find some other books uh, that I can put out later in another podcast uh, that they could read at uh, younger ages. Um, but the, some of these books that I think that everybody should read um, – uh, mainly because I've read them. They've been beneficial for me. I think that they do a, a lot of great, uh, if you spend a lot of time in them, they can teach you a lot of great things and great, um, <sighs> great concepts and really get you into philosophical thinking and, and meaning. And so <clears throat> one of my favorite ones, and this is my favorite book of all time. I don't think that there's any uh, better book that than this book in existence. Um, it's been my favorite book since I've read it. It's one of the greatest stories ever. And it's uh, Anna Karenina. And essentially Anna Karenina is a, it's a, it's a novel from Leo Tolstoy and it is probably in it definitely, in my opinion, the greatest literature work of all time. I don't believe that there's a better book than that. I haven't found a better book in that. I love this book. It's also a movie. Movie's okay. Um, it, movie misses out on a lot of the best points. Um, so some of the things that kind of take place in this, it's about a uh, woman who's uh, married to a socialite um, and she ends up having an affair and her life kind of kind of falls apart um, through it. And it's a look at it's it's really a look at um, uh, it's really a look at how her life um, falls apart from it. But it's more of a look at aristocracy within Russia at that time and um, about idealism. And so Leo Tolstoy is also an uh, anarchist. He's what's called an anarchist Christian because he was a Christian and he was an anarchist. And so you get a lot of uh, concepts against the aristocracy um, that exists within Russia um, during the time period that this book was written. And I think it was written, uh, it was published in 1877. Um, it is a pretty difficult read. It is a great read. Um, you learn a lot about the social um, status of individuals and the things that they find uh, important. Um, and then you also get an ideal of idol idealism. And so the idea is that if you read this, you can take, you can look at it um, and take some of these concepts and go and do more studying uh, about it, uh, more studying on it on your own and hopefully research it. But if you start reading it, you'll start getting really, really into um, the book. It's just, I can't, I don't want to like give the whole plot away or about everything that it's about. I just want to give it to you. If you can have your child start reading it, maybe when they're in high school, maybe into their early twenties, um, if they can do it younger, if they can do it younger, that's even better. Um, but it is just a fantastic fantastic book about aristocracy in Russia, about the affair that Anna has, um, about her, um, about statesmen in, in Russia. It's also got, um, it's also got, uh, great, uh, a great look at Nikolai, um, who is, uh, 
one of the elder brothers of one of the main characters and it, it looks at his alcoholism in the book as well. Uh, there's just so many great concepts and so many great things about this book, um, especially with mysticism and spirituality and what we learn from spirituality. I mean, this book covers a lot of great stuff and it's told just amazingly. It's one of the best books ever um ever written. So I, I really encourage you to read it. I don't want to kind of go into too much depth. Maybe I'll do like a video or another podcast specifically on Anna. Maybe I'll reread through it again. I haven't read it uh, in a while. Um, and so I, I just think it's a great place to start uh, to get you into thinking about philosophy and philosophical content. Uh, 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 books because it has a lot of great concepts in it. Um, and it, you can probably find like a, a study guide to go along with it. So I encourage you to do that because it is just a fantastic book and there's so much that it covers. Okay, so the other book that I uh, recommend that your child starts reading at uh, probably a high school level age, um, it's uh, The History of Western Philosophy by Bertrand Russell. In fact, there's two books on here by Bertrand Russell that I think are really beneficial um, for people. And essentially, the history of Western philosophy is literally history of Western philosophy. So it's going to talk about um, the, the, the theories and ideas of Socrates, Plato, Aristotle, Aquinas, Machiavelli, um, Spinoza is a really good one, Hume, Kant, Hegel, um, Schopenhauer, uh, Nietzsche. Uh, it's going to talk about Marx a lot. Um, in fact, Bertrand Russell, he was a mathematician and a philo philosopher. Um, I give a lot, I make a lot of jokes about the British um, in general. Um, but the um, Bertrand Russell was British. Um, he is probably one of my favorite British people. Um, he has passed away now. And um, uh, but his his books on math mathematics and on philosophy, highly regarded as some of the best uh, stuff in the world. But this history of Western philosophy, I read this in college. Um, it gave me a pretty good understanding of all of the basics of, of philosophy and philosophical arguments um, throughout um, the, the Western philosophical tradition. Um, so I think that that's a really, really great uh, book to read um, as well or to have your uh, children start reading. Um, the second book by him is kind of more of, I hate to say this because I don't, I think that religion has a really uh, good place in our society, um, but So, sorry, I had to grab the book. So the other book by Bertrand Russell that I think that you should probably start reading um, or that your children should start reading uh, at a good age is Why I'm Not a Christian. Um, and it's an essay on religion and different related subjects. Um, eh, the, problem with, the problem with Christianity um, is that it's not, a lot of it's not based on reason. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't be a um, Christian if, 
if you find value in what Christianity is bringing to you, that's fantastic. I don't find value in Christianity. I don't find value um, in believing in God in general. And that's because in, um, in, in traditional Buddhist um, thought, the Buddhists never really talked about God because it wasn't really relevant to freeing yourself from it, from re from reincarnation, right? You don't get, God doesn't provide you any value in Buddhism. And I don't really think that God provides you any value in general. In fact, I know that this is a comic book and a, it's a, a show, but if you watch the show Preacher, um, it, it can it, it does a really good job showing you the invaluableness of having a God in general. Um, and by God, I mean the Lord. And there, so God is a way to, to say, and not to get into linguistics, but the Lord would be the name of God or Yahweh in Christianity. But anyway, not important. So I don't personally believe in um, God, um, but uh, but this book is good even if you do um, want to be a Christian. Um, it just it talks to you about um, logic when you're looking and looking for wisdom as it relates to um, being a Christian or being a God. And I think that it would be good for you to read, even if you are a Christian, um, because it might challenge your faith and you might gain either one of two things. One, you might find more happiness or more guidance in your faith, right? In Christianity because of reading a book and challenging your belief system. Um, and, or you might realize that you've been living something that you truly don't believe in. And when you look at the reason of it, you can say that you might find more valuable not being a Christian. So either way, I think that it would be beneficial for people to read to read this this book in general. Why I'm not a Christian by Bertrand Russell, um, and uh, I think that in in philosophy, when you start studying at least Western philosophy, you start realizing that maybe you don't believe in God, or it doesn't make sense to believe in God, or you might not find value to believe in God, at least from the Christian context, um, and you might. Uh, you might be able to challenge your specific paradigm or your specific belief system. And in my opinion, that's going to make you a better um, person and it's going to provide more valuable to value to our community and to our society. Um, but by a no, no means do I think that you should <coughs> not, I, do I not think that you should be a Christian if it makes sense for you and you find value and, and happiness in being a uh, Christian? Um, the next book that I think that everybody should read if um, they wanted to start a reading pathway um, is, is the Lotus Sutra. And <laughs> um, the Lotus Sutra is probably the most studied and most read um, sutra from in Buddhism. Um, you find it in Tendai Buddhism, which is a form of esoteric Buddhism. You find it in um, you find it in Shingon Buddhism to some extent. You also find the Lotus Sutra in um, Nichiren. The whole Nichiren uh, sect is dev de devoted to the Lotus Sutra. And so from a religious context, um, from a mystical cons construct of the the um, religious or the, the mystical side of the Lotus Sutras, it said if you read the Lotus Sutra every day, um, you are going to be blessed by thousands of Buddhas and Bodhisattvas and your life will be um, better. But what's more important and interesting is the Lotus Sutra from a context of this concept called skillful means, which is a really important concept in Buddhism. And essentially it is this concept where that 
you do or say kind of what you need to do or say to get the um, end result. And that the end result is what is the beneficial part of this. And so it's okay to do certain things as long as the end result, I guess, is the is beneficial to what's happening. And in chapter two, I think it is, it talks about a, a parent who has to kind of lie to his children to get them out of the house because of a fire. And so um, it, it goes through these different stories and parables. And in the end, it's kind of thought that the Buddha um, at this point, and this was later text um, or story essentially, was that anybody can become a Buddhist in this life. And the reason why he hid it um, this secret teaching or this main teaching was because it, not everybody will be able to gain an understanding from every single text. And so there is a pathway within Buddhism to be able to become a Buddhist in lots of different fashions based off of what it is that's relevant to you. And I think that that's one of the main concepts that's taken apart is that, or taken from all of this, is that enlightenment to an individual is going to be different for every single person. And their way to get to that enlightenment is going to be different for every single person. And so the Buddha is explaining that he used skillful means, right, to tell everybody how to become a Buddhist. And all of these ways lead to Buddhism. And that's what's, or lead to enlightenment. And um, that's the reason why he, why he had, he did it that way. Um, and so the text is very interesting because at the beginning it has this philosophical concept or, or, or thought process that the book exists by explaining the importance of the book. And so like the first chapter is all about why this is the most important book and it references the sutra itself. And so there is a great commentary that goes along with this book called Two Buddhas, I think it is, or Two Buddhists. Just look up Lotus Sutra um, commentary and it's like the main one. And it, it essentially goes into some of these concepts in great deal in each chapter. Um, and so <clears throat> if you have ever thought about becoming a Buddhist, um, the Lotus Sutra is probably one of the best uh, books that you can start and to read and to start studying and, and looking for the wisdom that's found found within it. So I really encourage you to kind of um, uh, take some time and possibly uh, read that book as well. Um, <clears throat> and then all children along, uh, all children, all all people should probably read Capital by Karl Marx. Um, it The only reason why is whether or not you think capitalist is the greatest thing, capitalism is the greatest thing ever. It's going to do two things for you. It's going to explain to you that, that it's going to mathematically explain to you that you can never get paid your worth in a capitalist society because because the labor that you put into something is always going to be less than what the capitalist makes off of the profit of it. Because if the capitalist only puts capital into the product, right, his return is not only the capital that he put in to continue to buy the materials and whatever to make something, right, his payment is from that, that profit, okay? So, if, if I put in $20, okay, and then I hire someone and I only want to sell this thing for $40, but I need to make more than the $20 that I put in for, I have to pay the laborer less, right? And so because of that, you can never, ever, ever, ever get paid your value in your job. 
it's literally not possible because of the concept of profit and the capitalist. And so Marx goes into this in, in greater detail, um, and, and then he uses this as a foundation, right, for his, th his thought processes on capital. And so <clears throat> a lot of people look at Karl Marx as a communist, because he is, um, and they usually do the Communist Manifesto, which is if you read the Communist Manifesto, it literally sounds like a ideal, an idealist, two idealists who sat down that were pissed off at the world wrote it. Okay, so if you're, but his greatest contribution to economics and to philosophy is in capital, because he the thing is is that Karl Marx wanted he wanted capitalism right because he thought that it was a way to usher in brotherhood. He thought it was a way to usher in um, um, uh, positivity for all where the the previous system was um, like a king-queen serfdom system, right? And so the idea in all of this is to be free from any any um, people and and for people to be free, right? Like in an anarchist society where if we don't have any government and we're completely free, right, to govern ourselves, okay? And so the concept within capital is that he's trying, so he's he wanted capitalism, right? But then he saw all of the bad things, right? And so when you look at capitalism, it's no different than having a king and queen. We look at it differently because of how we're, how we're taught about it. But we think capitalism is a freedom. We also associate capitalism with free markets. And free markets can exist in a communist society if people are buying and selling shit. If I'm selling you something and you're willing to pay $10 for it, then I'm going to buy it. But the inherent price and the inherent value, that's not from me we be willing able to buy it. It's found in the labor that's built into it, which can cause the prices to be higher in certain products. <coughs> And so I encourage you to read Capital. It's really long. It's really boring. It's really hard. Um, some people say it's not hard. I personally think it's hard. I like watching videos on it and reading it. Um, there's, if you look at like, uh, if you go on YouTube, even though I said not to use YouTube, this is one of those times to use YouTube. Um, if you go onto YouTube and look up uh, uh, lectures on capitalism, um, it will, or lectures on communism uh, or on Karl Marx capital, it'll come up. So Karl Marx wanted capitalism to work, but when he saw that it was really no different than the king-queen system that they had before, right, and in, in how it causes inequality between individuals and um, how, and, and it causes, um, it causes problems with the the landowner relationship or the capitalist relationship with the um, the 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 regular people in a society. He thought that we could be do, doing better, and so he create he spent his life making capital. It's three parts. I'm just saying read Capital One, um, and then if you feel comfortable, go to Capital Two and Capital Three, um, and uh, and it's really difficult to read, but you'll get a better sense of some of the problems with capitalism. I don't think that it's fair to tell you to read it and then become a communist. I don't believe that at all. My thing is, is that we can find something better. And the only way that we can do better is by critiquing the things that we think could be better. Just like it's, there's no problem with critiquing communism. If you believe in communist ideologies, there are things that I think that are kind of stupid. I don't think that the full estate tax that is in the communist manifesto is the proper thing to do in a society. What I do think is proper to do in a society is to give tax benefit or to provide some benefits within the state to 
folk get people to create um, more community-based businesses or employee stock ownership programs, um, employee-run businesses like Winco, but also giving them the ability to vote on the board. Um, there is nothing wrong with those things. And those companies traditionally can do better than the regular corporate companies that we have now, which are kind of like the king's queens were in the old days. Because we don't think about how impactful um, we don't think about how impactful it is for um, our the the big business, right? The big corporations, the oil companies, how much money they give to U.S. House of Representative members, to Senate members, how they um, uh, get their their way because they're big and they have money. And so if we look at that, that is no different than the way that a king and a queen would treat its people and its peasants and or its serfs. And so that's one of the things that I think is really beneficial about capital. But by all in no means is it all inclusive. There's things that we could be doing better in capitalism. Like, for instance, let's take let's take Lenin and, and um, Trotsky again. When they looked at it and said, OK, well, this is about equality. Let's divvy up all of the fucking money that the state makes, right, to all the individuals. So a doctor makes the same amount. Everybody. That is a concept that they came up with. That's based off of their understanding and reading of Marx to try it's stupid. If someone's go, if someone's a doctor, they should be paid more than someone that's a janitor. That's called earned labor, right? Or earned income. Earned income can be different. But what could, can be different is that if within smaller businesses or in smaller organizations, if the individuals that worked in those organizations have the ability to vote on the people that manage them or the ability of what to do with the profits, we can create a bigger, better system. And it sucks because you can, I can literally prove to you that that is a much better way to do things and a better system. We've seen it been done, right? But people are all like, well, that's not, that's, that's not fair. That's, that's his, uh, this person's idea. It is not the person's idea of the fucking shareholders that own stock in a company for what that company does. And on top of that, the shareholders are getting screwed anyway, because the shareholders don't even have any right to the fucking profit. They don't have, companies don't have to pay out a dividend. Anyway, that's me going on a rant for things that piss me off. But but we can be doing something better. So if you take the time to read Anna Karenina, Why I'm Not a Christian, The Lotus Sutra, Capital by Karl Marx and the History of Philosophy, you can give yourself a really good basis for what to do into uh, about new concepts, difficult reading, uh, get you better at reading. You'll probably get some wisdom out of it. It'll be really, really beneficial for you. And again, I just guess I just took these books because they were... <laughs> some of the books that I currently have in my house to kind of reference while saying this. And then also um, because these are some of my favorite books and some of the biggest books that had impacts on me. And I think that if you read these or your kids read these, it'll get them into a good um, thought process. The thing that you need to be careful of with a lot of this stuff, though, is that you have to get them good at reading the other side of the story. You can't just say that these are the books that you need to read and that's it. And this is the way you need to think. That's what's the problem with our college education system is that we just teach them what we think that they need to think and we don't teach them the other side of the coin. Okay, in this point, you know, hopefully in, in the history of Western philosophy, you should get both sides of each argument of each of those people. But if you don't, there's good philosophy textbooks you can buy that will kind of go through that. Um, but in the Lotus Sutra, you know, if you're a Christian, have them read the Lotus Sutra and then have them spend some more time in Ecclesiastes or Song of Solomon or um, some of my favorite books from the, well, my favorite books are from the Bible is um, uh, the book of John, the, not, um, 
actually all the books of John are fantastic. And then also Lamentations, um, Jeremiah, Ecclesiastes, um, Song of Solomon. Uh, those are probably my favorite, all of my favorite books. John was my favorite apostle. Um, we don't have to go into why that was here. Um, just because in esoteric practices, you have a lot of devotion. And I think John was the person that had the most devotion um, for Jesus. Um, that's my personal opinion, just based off of what happens in the Bible. Um, I think one of the best things is you always refer to John as the apostle that Jesus loved. And so with the apostle John, when he's at the dinner table on the Last Supper, you know, and he's and Jesus says, someone's going to betray me. Everybody else starts pointing fingers at everybody else. But John leans over to Jesus and said, who betrayed you? Right. Because he wasn't the one that betrayed Jesus. And that's why Jesus refers to John as the one whom Jesus loved. And there's some really interesting stuff at the end of the Apostle John's book. Um, <clears throat> you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John or the Gospel of John. Um, and, and then he says, if I want you to end up living forever, you will or something along those lines. So I thought it'd be interesting. Cool. If John was still alive today. Um because I don't know why Jesus would say that. <laughs> like maybe a theologian knows or maybe I'm misreading something in the Bible. Um, but, you know, like I'm not going to not read the other side of the story. And that's one of the things that you can get your child or you to read more, right? To look at some of these things, read the other side of the story, and you become a better individual and you can contribute more to society and to the community and to your household um, and, and hopefully have a better life from it. So I know that this was a little long podcast. Um, it's completely off script. So if you stay through to the whole thing, I really appreciate it. Um, I thank each and every one of you and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Age of Jeremy. Make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcatcher. If you can do me a favor, please rate this podcast if your podcatcher allows you to. Talk to you soon.